it's Gilbert Gottfried. Welcome to Behind the Scenes with Brian, your go-to podcast on old things mining. Welcome to Behind the Scenes with Brian, the podcast covering everything from engineering, mining, and mine waste management to whatever else may be on our minds. Pop in your headphones and don't forget to rate, subscribe, and share. And now, here is your host, Brian Ulrich. This is Brian. This is Behind the Scenes with Brian, and today I am joined by my longtime friend Carl Burkhalter. Carl, how are you today? I'm doing good, Brian. Um, it's a nice day here in Denver, and uh, enjoying the weather, and looking forward to fall. Nice. Yeah, we're up at the cabin. We just got some firewood today. Co- gonna get out tomorrow and do a little bit more. Probably go fishing a little bit this afternoon. Kind of chilly up here. The leaves are turning nice and yellow so it's fall is definitely here yeah i took a little drive through the peak to peak highway last last week and it was looking nice yeah and we're recording this during the pandemic hopefully the pandemic isn't bothering your personal or professional life too much no not too bad um you know we've actually gotten busier here at work uh a lot of things going on in mining and uh, in our business, it's not too hard to work from home. So, and I've also done some personal traveling and, and uh, had no problem getting the vaccine, all that stuff. And so yeah, haven't been, haven't, haven't been too bad. Yeah. Good. Carl, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, your education? Yeah. So uh, actually I went to school at the university of Wisconsin um, and went in for mining engineering, which a lot of people don't realize that Wisconsin had a mining school and uh, actually why they're called the Badgers and the Gophers because Minnesota and Wisconsin used to be in the 1800s were big mining schools and the little lead mines on either side of the Mississippi, they dug into the side of the hill and they either looked like gopher holes or badger holes. Um, but they've since uh, disbanded mining in, in uh in Madison, I went to the University of Wisconsin-Madison, graduated in 84 in mining. They got rid of mining in like 85, 86. So when I graduated, there wasn't too many jobs in mining. So I went ahead and got a master's degree in geotechnical engineering. And uh, then went from there, came out to uh, Denver and worked for a company called Werber Clyde and then ended up at Night Peacehold with, with you, Brian. And in from, from Night Peacehold days on, I kind of did most of my work in mining as far as geotech in mining which really kind of fit with my education and uh, never really I've done any actual mine designs but all through my career I've done a lot of tailings and heap leach. I did a little hiatus in the uh, Arizona Department of Transportation when things were slow in mining but most of my career has been spent working at mines. So what took you to Denver was it the job or did the job follow you coming to Denver? Oh, when I graduated, no, I was a skier. I, I was wanted to come to Denver. That was, that was my goal. Oh, okay, awesome. Actually, took 
actually took a big pay cut. I could have had a job in Milwaukee for, at that time, $5,000 more a year, which was a lot of money. Yeah. But I wanted to go skiing. Yeah, well, good for you. Good for you. It uh, seems like it turned out pretty well. Yeah, no, no, it's been a good, good career. And uh, I spent some time in South America when I was working at Night Peace Old and met my wife and my daughter was born down there. And I always tell everybody I went to uh, Chile with uh, my mountain bike and skis and came back with a wife, a baby and a container full of stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, quite a, quite a life to lead. So Carl, tell us a little bit about Newfields. Yeah, so Newfields, um, it's, it's been around for 25 years. Um, it was started uh, by some guys that actually were working at Dames and Moore at the time when the big uh, URS, which is I think now AECOM, uh, was buying out kind of these bigger firms like Woodrow Clyde. They bought out Woodrow Clyde and then they bought out Dames and Moore. Anyways, the guys went off and, and made a company that it's kind of an interesting setup where you can uh, you know, basically have your own company within a company and uh, so they set that up I think in 1995 and several of us that used to work with you back in the night peace old days and and uh, they'd gone to other companies and kind of all everybody kind of gelled back together a small group of us here at Newfields around 2013 and so we've been here about eight years and uh, specializing in tailings and heat bleach and we also have an environmental group that uh, does permitting and and things of mine so it's a uh, very similar company to with to night be sold and and uh in those you know chair groups another company real similar to us so. yeah yeah okay so so what do you do for new fields you're mostly tailings yeah yeah i uh most of my work is in tailings. I do a few heat bleach pads once in a while, but I would say the majority of my work right now is tailings. And the majority of it is outside the country in Latin America, just because, like I said, I went to Chile and I know the culture and the language. So uh, we have an office in Mexico, um, which actually one of the guys from Night Peace Old, Alfonso Rico is running that office down there. And uh, so I, help with that office help Alfonso with that and we have several jobs in Mexico and then Guatemala I was just last week in Peru we've got projects in Peru and one in Chile and a couple in Brazil and so most of my work is south of the border I also have a big project here in the U.S. and South Carolina and uh, so those are kind of where my my concentration is and and majority of those are tailings yeah we've got some uh background in common there as well i think you work at cerro blanco in guatemala and i i worked on that previously it's just a it's an absolute garden spot down there it's like paradise yeah it's really nice actually we've got two projects right right there another one um not too far away so we got two projects in guatemala now but yeah they're both really good projects yeah they have amazing natural resources there i was really impressed with the country yeah it's a nice 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 country nice climate um, and uh, they've got several mines, and I think it, I think it's up and coming. I think it's a really it's a good place to work. Yeah, you know, over the the three decades or whatever that you've been working in tailings, and I've been working in tailings, there's been a lot of changes 
What are some of the big and useful changes that you've seen in recent years? Well, yeah, of course, you know, as we all know, there were those failures and they've uh, come up with new kind of global standards, uh, the GISTM. Um, CDA has also, you know, been updating their standards, which Canadian Dam Association, which a lot of our clients actually happen to be Canadian. And so we follow those. But I think what I've seen in tailings is they become, you know, much more at the forefront in the, in the, the in the, with the mining companies. Um, you know, the risks are, are high in tailings. And, and I think there's been a lot more focus in on making sure you have good designs and good engineers and, uh, and they're keeping up their operations the way they should. So I, you know, I'd say that's in my 30 years, I've seen that really progress as being, being a good thing. Um, and you know, and they also, you know, the technically designs there, you know, they're always uh, getting a little better each year. Yeah, that's that's interesting because back back in the olden days, twenty or thirty years ago, tailings was not really something in the forefront. And as people like me and you that kept on saying that now this is really important, and it's finally taken some horrible disasters to be able to get it more in the forefront so that it's not just an after, afterthought or just, uh, you know, it's somebody's waste product and there's there's not a lot of interest in it. But it's, yeah, it's finally getting the, the attention that it needs and it, it feels a lot better. Yeah, and, you know, and it's not just mining, you know, because like I said, I took a hiatus in the Arizona Department of Transportation. And now if you remember, it, it was like 2005 or six or something, that bridge in Minneapolis fell down. Yeah, and also that brought all these old bridges to the forefront, and they, you know, <laughs> and they threw a bunch of money at that. So it's not, you know, it's just typical human nature, right? Until it becomes an issue, we, we, uh, you know, there's always people that that's their specialty, and they say it's a big deal. But you know, to get to the big forefront in the big picture, it takes. Unfortunately, sometimes it takes a something you know catastrophic or or high profile to really bring it up. It's, yeah, that's yeah, that's a really good point. Very good point. Are, are you seeing many effects from the GISTM, the new global tailing standard? Yeah, several of our clients are, you know, adopting it. Um, you know, the larger ones, uh, bigger companies have always kind of had a system like that. And then you got kind of the mid, you know, mining, of course, you have the majors, the mid tiers and the juniors. But certainly I've seen it really affect in the juniors and some of the mid tiers, you know, kind of getting into making sure that they have a an independent review board and they have third-party reviews on their facilities you know where you know like i said the majors usually were doing that anyways because they knew the risks um and so yeah I, that's what i've seen with our clients and uh um and it certainly is is you know creating a lot of a lot of uh you know need for tailings engineers and i know you and i and we've you know there's lots of classes going on and trying to get you know younger younger folks involved and you know interested in becoming tailings engineers and getting the qualifications to become engineer records because yeah like a lot of industries we got a lot of people that are getting close to retirement you got to have people filling in and there's going to be no shortage of, of work I, that i can see in the future yeah exactly yeah i've, I've got kind of the same perspective as you on that there are uh, there are a lot of the 
world players still out there that are just getting these things into place and it, it's good to see them getting them into place and i think the use of like risk assessments is going to be a lot more common as as it's uh i don't know if it's required but it's certainly highly suggested by the gistm yeah yeah and then the gistm is just a guide you know it's yeah. just kind of, kind of coming up with uh with you know kind of minimum minimum guidelines that, you know in the principles you know it's got several principles in it and you know and they're like typical things they're they're vague and you can you can interpret how you want but i mean i think in general it pushes things in the right direction yeah they never put names to things they don't tell you what kind of risk assessment and they tell you something about alternative analyses but it doesn't tell you what kind so it does leave the door open for interpretation with that yeah and i think that's important because every tailings dam is different every every site's different and we run into that you know with uh you know the process guys you know the mills are kind of the you know they take it and move it around the process is the process it doesn't matter you know it matters what the ore body is but but uh, you know our tailings dams are even more no no two tailing dams are the same yeah that's for sure that's for sure carl are you seeing more people being interested in filtered tailings for sure yeah you know and the, the uh you know, risk of the filtered tailings is certainly less than a conventional slurry facility. Um, you know, but we always try to tell the client, you know, it's not the, it's not the panacea, you know, it's not, not the answer, you know, it, it, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not, you know, conventional facilities can be made perfectly, you know, very safe and, and managed very well and be just fine. Yeah. Um, so, but the filtered, yes, definitely getting more popular, but of course, as everyone knows, it's much more cost on the operation side. So, and in some places like especially chilly or dry climates, I mean, it makes a lot of sense because you need the water. You know, it does help to get the water back. So, but so it's, it's not, it's not a solution everywhere, but yeah, it's definitely, definitely one that's out there. And I think it's a good one. Yeah. At my previous employer, we had a, a client in Chile who was producing at the rate of 400,000 tons a day. And they were talking about doing filtered tailings, you know. So it's yeah. it used it used to be something where somebody'd say, "Well, you know, five or ten thousand tons a day is about the upper limit." And it seems like that limit is being slowly. I mean, we're not going to start making filtered tailings at four hundred thousand tons a day tomorrow, but the the day will come. Yeah, yeah, and then, you know, it's kind of a scale thing, right? I mean, how many filters you want to put in there and, and uh, yep. you know, how you can, and I say filtered, fil filters similar too, like, the, you know, it depends on the grind and all that and whether you can get them, you know, what we would call, you know, you know dry enough to be called filtered tailings. And that's why we, we really don't like to call them dry stacks because they're not dry. <laughs> yeah, I don't like that term. You know, I don't like that term I think either. you had a, you might have a paper or, 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 a, or pre yeah, a presentation a while back. I remember you talking about the con continuum of tailings, you know, where you got paste and filtered and slurry. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, it's definitely filtered are on the drier side, but they're and in a lot of our actual uh, filtered facilities that we've done, it's they, they end up having to do a lot of, you know, farming on the material to try to get it dry enough to compact it. Yeah, and I think that might change over time. I, you know, it's been 
process people who have been determining the moisture content, you know, it's based on conveyability or something like that instead of the geotechnical requirements. And nobody wants to have a catastrophic failure from earthquake shaking. So I think, I think things are going to be changing in the future so that we don't get stuck with whatever moisture content somebody else tells us. You know, that, like you say, that the process and there's metallurgical and geotechnical moisture content. We've been, you know, one <laughs> based on water. Just, you know. <laughs> just that little, that little difference can make all the difference in the world for your, the behavior of your tailings too. Yep. Oh yeah. So it's like, they'll say, oh, they're out at 12, 15%. But when you do it, geotechnical, no, it's 20, 21. That's you know, yeah. 10% over optimum. That's not going to work. Oh, right. Yeah. And it can be, you know, in the liquid range at that kind of a moisture content, it can be really difficult to handle and compact and place and everything else. And if it's supposed to be something that's got, uh, you know, bearing capacity requirements, it can be really tricky. For sure. For sure. But, yeah. uh, and like I say, I mean, the uh, filtered facilities, you know, can move and can fail, you know, not, not really called fail in the, but they can, can have movements in earthquakes. You know, they're not going to be the, the kind of catastrophic failure that you could have with a slurry facility, but you still can have movements and you have to watch out for those in design form. Yeah, for sure. Um, my friend Ward Wilson up at the University of Alberta likes to remind people that Aberfan, which was a coal stockpile, a waste pile, it catastrophically failed and flowed into a village and killed a lot of people. And technically that was the same thing as a dry stack. So, you know, it's just because somebody, just because it's not a fluid impoundment doesn't mean that it can't move a considerable distance. And that, yep, that was exactly. a, that was maybe a, a, like way at the one end of the spectrum on how far something can move when it's not a fluid facility. But yeah, they, they can be mobilized, just not as catastrophically as Brumadino or San Marco. Yeah, they're not going to flow to the ocean or anything like that. Yeah. But they're going to, you know, where you environmental disaster where it keeps going. But but yeah, no, you, you can get, they can look fine, they can move. Um, but, you know, usually in our designs, we, you know, put some waste rock buttress or something on there to, you know, to, to minimize that. I mean, that's, so it's, they're definitely good designs. And, and uh, yeah. I, we see much, much more of them than we did 10 years ago, that's for sure. Yeah, that is for sure. And, uh, you know, that that's one of the things that's not really addressed by things like the global tailing standard or cda filtered tailings kind of falls between the cracks for design guidance yeah yeah it does there isn't like specific topics on it you know and in a lot of ways at least in my opinion the gisgm like you know they kind of encourage you to go towards filter yeah. um which is which is great you know it's, it's good it's good i think it's all it's all good, but you know, like I said, it's not the solution everywhere. No, for sure. Good. And you got to design it. And you gotta, you gotta think about it. Yep, yep, for sure. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Well, Carl, what keeps you busy these days? Oh, plenty of work. Uh, started traveling again here. I'm 
probably on a May or June after I got the vaccine and started really going around. So it's been kind of making up for lost visits. Um, and uh, sorry. Lost Carl's video there for a second. Oh, somebody was calling me. Oh. <laughs> Anyways, um, fun, fun things of Zoom on the phone. Yeah. But um, anyways, yeah, no, real busy uh, kind of traveling for work and doing some personal travel. Um, you know, we, we moved recently, downsized. Our, our kids are out of the house and doing well in college. And, uh, you know, that's keeping us busy. And, and uh, yeah, but yeah, like I said, uh, you know, as far as work-wise, we've gotten busier since the pandemic, that's for sure. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. All the geotechs, the, the tailings geotechs are saying that it's pretty encouraging. And it, it started getting busier before the effects of the GISTM really came into play. So it's it's the, uh, the, the industry was responding before the standard came out, which I think is a really positive thing. Oh, for sure. For sure. I like, like you kind of said before, I mean, that to me, it's more of a need for, for good, good personnel and, and especially younger folks. You know, I hope that they're, you know, we got to find out ways to get them into, into interested in going into tailings. I used to always kind of joke that you need to have CSI tailings or something on a TV show so they get. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, but you know what, for, for a geotechnical engineer, I don't think there's a more, diverse area to go into than tailings because it's got almost every single aspect of geotechnical engineering. The only thing we don't get involved with too much is foundation engineering. Yeah, yeah, and I think, yeah, that, you know, and the, and the your, you know, your uh, typical geotech, uh, you know, when I got my master's degree, yeah, that's, there was a lot of foundation and pavement was another thing that it was mm -hmm. a lot of geotech in that I did some of that and yeah. I was at the DOT, but yeah, definitely the mining. I think mining geotech is a is a is a good career and it's a good it's a it's a fun one. You you don't get bored. You you don't sit behind a desk. Uh, my son is in engineering school and one of his he's in mechanical and one of his fears is oh I'm going to be sitting there in a cube all day designing and that's one I told him well that's one of the reasons you know I went the civil geotech is you know you, you go out and you get out of the get out of your area and you can go look at stuff and especially mining i mean it's all over the place yeah our stuff is outside right and uh that's like it's one of the reasons i picked mining when i first went there as a because i wanted to be i like the outdoors i like oh well you know, which engineering is gonna give me the you know kind of the coolest spots in the world to go look at oh mining would be fun yeah for and sure it turned out that way. yeah yeah i couldn't agree more well, Carl, have you been able to work on your golf game during the pandemic? Not as much as I like to. I've uh, gone out a few times. We actually went to the SME golf tournament. I don't know if you made it to that. Um, I did not. It was a couple of weeks ago. And that was that was fun. That was first like kind of major tournament been to. Uh, and uh, but yeah, no, definitely got to get get more into uh, you know both uh, golf and and bike bicycle riding and and. Uh, trying to do some more tennis so i tried to pick up tennis again but but uh, <laughs> all those kind of uh, you know with the pandemic you get kind of sedentary and 
bad thing yeah. about working at home is so easy you just keep doing it yeah and, and uh then you know of course playing with my new toy the harley that i bought so i'll have to be doing yeah that. we'll have to get our harleys out uh one of these days soon especially before the snow, snow starts flying for sure yeah it should be some nice rides up the mountains this time of year Well, Carl, it's been uh, it's been a fun conversation. Nice to catch up with you. And do you have any uh, key takeaways or pearls of wisdom you could drop on us? Well, I think the biggest thing is, you know, like I said, you know, I I hope we can get, you know, young guys, gals interested in this business. And we've got some good ones at Newfields um, that they're they're very good. They're very eager. And you know, for me, I would always recommend if you're you know, take some Spanish classes. I think you know, that can that can always help you in, in life. And you know, it's a very useful language. Um, there's a lot of people that speak it. You know, it was one of those futuristic movies where it was some sort of, you know, the hundred years from now, the language going to be some sort of combination of Mandarin, uh, English, and Spanish. You know, <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> they're going to dominate the world. And so, yeah. so I, you know, that's that's kind of what I would say is you know. And, you know, get out and see the world and you know, i think it's it's fun to see how see how everything else is and uh, other places yeah that's that's good yeah yeah uh, couldn't agree with you more on those uh pearls of wisdom that you laid on us my i, th- I think my lack of spanish has held me back you know once or twice not really over overall in my career but it, it can be uh a bit of a handicap and you know i travel to latin america and it can be uh, frustrating at least yeah but it's also it's also you know just nice because we learn the at least me i think you learn the language you kind of helps you understand the culture and the thinking and yeah everything you know and not just spanish or whatever language you want to learn so sure sure it's, you know, we're, we're bad it's, most everybody else in the world has to learn english if that's not your language so <laughs> you know, English speakers are spoiled. They, yeah. they, they never learn another language. So Yeah, very true. Very true. So. Yeah. Okay, Carl, I know you got a busy day and I don't want to keep you any longer, but I really appreciate you coming on and spending some time with us. And, and, yeah, um, yeah. It was great. the conversation and I like, going. I like listening to your podcast and like it's a fun thing. Keep them going. Yeah, I'll have to... Uh, get some others in your company on the podcast i've tried to get lucas uh, but we haven't just haven't gotten our calendars to match up yet yeah that's all you got his wife though yeah yeah more, that was more important yeah that was fun that was a fun one all right all right hey thanks carl and we'll uh, try to catch up sometime soon in the coming days yep good to talk to you all right awesome thanks carl bye ciao Well, that's it. I'm Brian, and this is Behind the Scenes with Brian. Until next time, keep on rockin'.